In this episode of Going Viral, Associate Professor Nicholas Wood brings us up to speed on vaccines, influenza, COVID, and RSV. The Going Viral podcast from HealthEd shares the latest on COVID-19, with leading voices from across Australia providing medical professionals with up-to-date information from reliable sources. Here's today's episode. Hello everyone, I'm Professor Nick Wood from the University of Sydney and from the National Centre for Immunisation Research and Surveillance. And tonight I'll be giving you a COVID-19 update as we move into winter. Firstly, I'd just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the different lands across Australia that we're meeting and pay respects to Elders past, present and leaders emerging. So tonight we'll talk about COVID-19, a little bit on the current epidemiology and some advice about what uh, the booster vaccines. Um, and then just finishing off with how we can think about the concept of doing winter well and a little bit of an update on influenza and RSV. In terms of the burden of COVID-19, here's the latest data of hospitalisations and ICU cases in Australia up until um, a week ago. And as you can see, the waves have slowly decreased over time. However, there still is a few hospitalisations with you know, nearly 2,000 hospitalisations over the last seven days and a slight increase from the previous week. Importantly, the blue line down the bottom is the ICU cases and you can see it's been pretty stable even though the uh, number of cases might be rising and that's probably an indicator of the fact that most of us have had at least two doses of the COVID vaccines. The other thing that's an important concept now is when we look at hospitalisations is are people hospitalised with COVID infection or because of COVID infection? And that's where the ICU data is quite important. This is data from the US and their hospitalisations and you can see uh, the main point of this slide really is to show you that red or that purple line at the top there which is the over 65s and, and they account for most of the hospitalisations. You can see in the younger ages the hospitalisation rate is much lower. So that brings us to the concept that age is really the biggest risk factor for death from COVID-19. And you can see on that graph on the left there that the hazard ratio climbs quite significantly steeply beyond the age of 80. So, so unfortunately, as you get older, the risk of hospitalisation or death from COVID increases um, exponentially. The, the table on the right shows you some of the factors that might be associated with COVID-19 death. Um, and, and the top line there shows that those people have had cancer or immune suppression at increased risk of dying. And both of those things really influence the, the decisions or the recommendations about who should get booster doses. Uh, this is some case fatality rates in Australia and it's showing you the, the death rate uh, over time since the very beginning of the pandemic in January of 2020 up to the fourth wave of Omicron uh, which we're experiencing now. And again, the point is that over the age of 70, the rate of um, dying from COVID um, although it's decreased, it still is the main, the main risk group in, in our age, in our population. Um, under the age of 39, you can see very, very few people die from COVID. So, so that's an important take-home message. That the older you are, uh, the more likely you are to get sick with the COVID infection, even though you might have had previous two doses and even booster doses. Um, and that will, as I come to in a second, will show you how we inf influence or inform our, our COVID vaccine recommendations. 
The other thing that everyone's experiencing is the variance. Uh, and this is just a, a little concept she um, sheet showing you how the variants have changed um, from alpha, beta, delta, and now Omicron. Um, and the XBB is the variant soup. Um, and you may have heard in the media that the latest variant is XBB 1.16, which has been given the name of um, Arcturus. Um, there's a nice little preprint uh, here out of Tokyo and Japan. And in this particular paper, what they did was that they um, tested the, uh, how infective this virus was. And it probably is about 1 to uh, 1.2 times more effective than its relative, the, um, the uh, other BA variants. Um, and so it probably will spread around the world. Um, at the moment, it's about 10% of cases in the US. Um, there have been reports out of India of what they're calling pink eye, which is effectively just a conjunctivitis. Um, now this is not that new because COVID um, in the past has been responsible for causing conjunctivitis. So it uh, probably is more infectious, but the severity is not yet definitively known. Here's data in Australia, um, and you can see it's a very busy gra graph, but if you look at the sort of blue colours and down the very bottom right-hand corner of the figure, you can see the XBB 1.16, which uh, since the March has uh, started to increase, is probably going to be the, the most common variant um, in Australia. Um, WHO made a comment just a couple of weeks ago um, and the reference down there and, and you, the top line really is I suppose that although it is circulating predominantly in India and, and other countries, um, uh, at the moment there does not seem to be any increase in severity. So, so that's a good thing. Now how effective are the booster doses? And this is very recent data that's come out of the US from their Advisory Committee on Immunisation Practices meetings. Um, and what they did was they looked at the um, vaccine effectiveness of monovalent and bivalent booster vaccines. And in this slide, I'm showing you the effectiveness against hospitalisation in those that are immune competent. Um, and there are sort of two broad groups. There's those under the age of 64 and those over the age of 65. And what they do is they look at vaccine effectiveness with time um, since uh, the booster dose. And you can see that after a booster, within about the first two months, in both the um, under 64s and in the over 65s, the vaccine effectiveness is around about sort of the mid 60%. So, so it lasts about two months. And then as we've experienced from previous boosters, that effectiveness wanes. Um, but in the over 64s, still out to sort of 180 days, there is still a little bit of ongoing effectiveness, around about 40% against hospitalisation. So that's the immune-competent um, adults. Um, in the immunocompromised adults, um, similar story, although the effectiveness is not quite as high, and this is probably because their response to the booster dose um, in terms of an immunologic response is not as strong as those that are uh, immune-competent. But still you get a bump in their effectiveness um, and it jumps out to around about 40% in that sort of two, two to three month mark and then will start to wane as well. So having shown you that the risk group is the over 65s and that there is some bump in effectiveness uh, with the booster dose, this leads us on to what ATAGI's latest advice is. Now they've tried to simplify it, which is a good thing. And so on this particular figure here, you can see that if we start at the under fives, uh, at the moment they're not recommended a booster dose. Um, for those that are aged five to 17 years, if they don't have any risk factors, there's no need for a booster dose. 
However, if they do have risk factors, then they can consider a booster dose. In those that are aged 18 to 64 years, again, if you don't have any uh, risk factors, then you should consider it. If you do have risk factors, then yes, you should get a booster dose. And as shown here in the over 65s, everyone should get a booster dose. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about the 18 to 64s and what that um, word consider means in, in a second. Um, the other thing to say is that there's a little, in the green box there, you can see that the recommendation is to get a booster dose if it's been six months or more since your last confirmed uh, infection or vaccine. So it is confusing and there are lots of vaccines out there. This is a um, infographic from the Commonwealth Health website. These are the ancestral virus original formulations. Um, we won't spend too much time on this because really the game's moved on and now most of the vaccines that are the bivalent vaccines. And you can see here that we have four, two by Moderna and two by Pfizer. Um, the BA1 is the sort of original bivalent vaccine and the most recent one is the BA45. So, so that's probably the one that you'd want to be giving as your preferred booster vaccine. So that's a, uh, either a Moderna or a Pfizer that contains the BA45 uh, vaccine. So the other thing that plays into this recommendations is the fact that many of us have already had past infection. Um, and what we're showing you in this graphic is what data from sero surveys. Um, and you can see that um, it's different serological surveys at different time points, going back to the first quarter of 22, the middle of 22, and the last quarter of um, 2022. And there will be a new sero survey coming out very soon. And what you can see is that in all ages, it goes from the grey to the red to the black. So the serological positivity increases with, in, with in, you know, an increasing time. Um, and by the end of it, really, you can see that nearly all of us, above 60%, certainly in that 30 to 50-year-old age group, have had past infection. So most of us have had either two or three doses of uh, vaccine and past infection. And that's that all-important hybrid immunity. Uh, so let's get back to what you do with the 18 to 64-year-olds who don't have any risk factors. And that's that word that Otago uses, which is consider. Um, so I suppose it really depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to reduce your chances of going to hospital or dying, um, the, rel the relative benefit of this is pretty good. Um, but as I mentioned, um, a booster will give you um, some protection, but as most of us have already had two or three doses and past infection, it's probably just a modest increase in protection. If you're saying that you don't want to get sick because you, you want to travel or wedding, um, the, the message there is that the vaccines, while good at stopping you getting hospitalised, may not stop you getting infected. Okay. Um, and so the benefit from a booster for that sort of reason is probably less um, than if it was if you wanted to stop yourself being hospitalised. Um, I don't want to pass anything on to my uh, grandparent or unwell um, um, because I'm unwell. Um, and so uh, the, the issue here is that the vaccines are quite good, as I said before, in stopping you getting hospitalised or dying, but not so good in stopping infection. So this may or may not make a practical difference. So if you're over 65, easy decision, get a booster dose. If you're approaching 65 and you've got a couple of medical risk conditions and it's been eight to 10 months since your last dose, then probably worth getting a, a booster dose. Um, if however you're 18 to 20 and you're very well and you've had three doses 
and past infection, then the benefit of a booster dose for you is probably not as strong. So that's why Targis use this word consider because it comes down to an individual decision. Um, so the hybrid immunity, which I mentioned before, um, is tried. Just, I'm trying to explain that in, in this uh, this graph here, and you can see if we just concentrate on the top um, panel or in the figure, um, we've got on the left hand side previous infection. In the middle panel, we've got hybrid immunity, and on the uh, with a with no booster. And on the panel C, we've got hybrid immunity with a booster. Um, and what you can see, and down the bottom is time since uh, vaccination or infection. Um, and you can see that hybrid immunity is holding up pretty strongly um, out to sort of you know six uh, months or so. So, so that's why the um, advice at the moment is, is written in the way it is. The next thing to think about is what are the side effects of getting a booster dose? Uh, there was a, um, some concern out of the US um, from a vaccine safety data link that there might be an increased risk of a stroke um, if you have the flu and the COVID vaccines. Um, so this has been looked at very, very closely. Um, in the figure there, you can just see that there was, in the little red dots, a mild increase in stroke risk after Pfizer booster in the over 65s, identified you know, earlier this year. But uh, with increasing time, um, it's now no longer considered that there's a, a signal has been um, detected. So because there was that early signal there, um, it was taken very seriously and looked at in other countries, such as e Europe, Israel, Canada. Um, and no other signal has been found. So I think it's at the moment a bit of a watch, this space, but, but certainly not a reason to, to not get a booster dose. Um, so uh, other questions that you might be asked as a clinician, um, what about a booster dose for a healthcare worker? I think we would consider at the moment the healthcare worker very similar to another member of the population who's not a healthcare worker. Um, they probably have had COVID infection, either by virtue of being in the healthcare workforce or just in general community. So they probably have definitely have a hybrid immunity. Um, so I think you would treat them as you would any other 18 to 64 year old and, and they can consider it and you go through an individual risk-based decision with them. Uh, what about booster doses in pregnancy? At the moment, we would follow the same guidance as the 18 to 64 year olds. If they're a well pregnant woman, they've had a few doses and um, probable natural infection, then no significant benefit for getting a booster dose in their current pregnancy. If, however, they have other comorbidities or disability, etc., then definitely get a booster dose. So the strongest evidence says that vaccines provide very good protection against severe disease, hospitalisation or death. And that's particularly important for the over 65s. As I showed you, the risk of hospitalisation is now quite low in those people under the age of 65. But as you get towards the age of 65, the risk profile starts to increase. And so if someone's particularly keen to get a booster dose and it's been you know, more than six months, have a few underlying medical conditions, then um, you can certainly give them a booster dose. Um, although the risk of serious adverse event is low, there is still that low risk of myocarditis and pericarditis, particularly in those aged 18 to 39 years. There doesn't seem to be any increased risk with a booster dose, but it's being watched quite closely. Um, in terms of COVID-19 treatment with antivirals, um, a couple of good places to find this information. Uh, one is the RACGP guidance, and I've given you the link there. 
I suppose the change that has happened uh, most recently is that the um, recommendation for the use of Ligevrio, molnupiravir, has, has, has changed a little bit. Um, Paxlovid is still recommended there, um, and you can click on the um, RACGP guidance link to, to find the latest um, information. So as we move into winter, I've talked to you about COVID. I'll just say a few quick things about influenza. Um, in the Northern Hemisphere, um, what the standout was that there definitely was an increase in influenza in the season just past. Um, you can see that was higher than previous years of, of June and, and April. Um, uh, and it was predominantly influenza A and no influenza B. So that's, uh, that's the data from the Northern Hemisphere. Another example out of Canada. Um, you can see here again that the 2022-3 um, season um, was sort of similar to previous years of 21-22, but one of the important differences was that it came earlier. Okay? And so what that means for Australia is that um, it came earlier in the Northern Hemisphere, so it probably will come earlier in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly as people are now being mobile and moving, um, travelling north to south. Um, this is the usual recommendations for the NIP for flu vaccine. Uh, the usual story of six months to under fives, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Those that have got certain medical risk conditions and pregnant women. And uh, the, this is the brands that are available. Um, you can see here that um, then the little white boxes are the ones that are free under the National Immunisation Program. Uh, for the over 65s, there's the Fluad Quad, which is free under the NIP. Um, and the other important difference is that the vaccines now are all half a mil. In the past, you were giving half of a dose to the younger kids, uh, but that's no longer the case. It's just a half a mil dose for everyone. Um, in, in, as we're starting to roll the flu vaccines out right now, um, important to let you know about the safety and it's being monitored. So you can go onto the Ausvac Safety website. Um, although we don't have much data yet on the under, under five years of age, we've got nearly 400 surveys. Um, and this is showing you the common side effects that uh, people, parents are reporting. Uh, the fever rate of about one in 10, um, which is very on par to previous years. So important to remind parents that if their child does get a fever, it's a risk of about one in 10. Um, and that'll happen in the first 24 to 48 hours after the vaccine. Uh, the other things that they can see is some redness, pain and swelling. So um, have a look at the Ausvac Safety uh, website. It, this data will be updated on a weekly basis. In terms of the over 60s, uh, nearly 20,000 surveys. Um, you can see that there has been some local reactions reported, but not much else. Um, so that's a good news, good news story. The vaccine this year, in terms of safety, seems to be performing very much the same as, as previous years. So the take-home messages in terms of flu are that the flu vaccine is recommended for everyone over the age of 60. It is uh, free for those six months to five years. It can be co-administered with the COVID vaccine. Um, so as we go into winter, um, think about uh, does, does the patient in front of you need a COVID booster? Should they get an influenza vaccine? Uh, do they need a pneumococcal booster? Um, and think about other members in the family and, and most importantly, uh, report those to the immunisation register. And, and finally, just to uh, finish off on the next virus, which is circulating um, a little bit um, around Australia, is the respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. 
highly contagious, um, spread through coughing and sneezing, and does cause those sorts of symptoms. Uh, in young infants, they can get a wheezy episode and difficulty breathing and may require admission to hospital. Unfortunately, there's no specific treatment for it, as you know, um, but we try to symptomatically support them with analgesia and fluids. Um, this is showing you where the disease burden occurs in, in our community. Um, and there are three panels figures there. The first one is the very young babies, and then the bottom one is the adults. Um, if you take note of the uh, y-axis, you'll see there's a very big difference in the, the, the axis there. Um, and if you look at the um, under twos at the top, very much it is an infant disease um, and pretty steady throughout the years. Um, there are vaccines and monoclonal antibodies which will be coming soon. Very lot of, huge amount of interest in preventing this disease. Um, so right now in, uh, in New South Wales, um, there's a lovely report that comes out each week um, describing the um, respiratory viruses. And you can see here that RSV in the black line has just started to climb. Um, it might well be dipping down, but what we often see is that RSV climbs um, and as it falls, influenza takes its place. So, so RSV is circulating um, at the moment, um, as are other viruses. But we go into winter, we could see the, uh, the trifecta of RSV, influenza and COVID. And, and because we can't prevent RSV with vaccines, we can, however, lessen the impact of the co-infection with COVID and influenza by having the, the vaccine against those two on board. Um, as I mentioned, there's been a lot of inf uh, work and interest in RSV vaccines. Um, <coughs> these are being assessed by authorities in the US right now and are likely to be assessed by Australian authorities also very soon. In fact, the FDA has just paved the way and recommended that um, two RSV vaccines for use in the elderly um, can, can, be, uh, can be approved. Um, so in summary, what we're, um, uh, the main thing as we move into winter is the concept of trying to do winter well. Um, so I've tried to show you in this talk the latest Ataki advice and some of the science and rationale behind that. Um, influenza vaccine, now is the time. We often have discussions about whether or not we should defer vaccination because we want to have the vaccine working as when the peak um, flu season is, is in hit. Uh, but right now, I think, um, is the time to get the flu vaccine in. Um, we can minimise the impact of this uh, double hit of co-infection by having the, some partial protection, at least, from the flu and the COVID booster vaccines. Uh, think about whether the person in front of you needs a pneumococcal booster. Um, we are watching closely about the Arcturus um, XBB 1.16. Um, and uh, so that's just being watched um, at the moment. Um, uh, plan ahead for the use of um, SARS-CoV-2 antivirals um, and, uh, and we'll probably come and talk to you again as we um, move through the winter and, and next time with, uh, and how we, um, if the COVID vaccine recommendations change as the epidemiology changes. So thanks very much. Just a quick reminder as we wrap up to encourage you to register for the next webcast where you can always catch a high quality lineup of speakers and topics that HealthEd has put together for you. HealthEd webcasts are carefully created to provide high quality video and audio so that you have the best possible learning experience. It's free 
you get CPD points, and it's all delivered directly to the digital device of your choice, wherever you choose to be. Register now at healthad.com.au. You can claim RACGP CPD points for listening to this podcast using the self-claim option. Log into your account on the RACGP website, go to the CPD section and click on self-claim.